Hey everyone, this is Keith. You are listening to the second mini-sode that we have released between seasons one and season two. This is a very special episode. It's produced in collaboration with our friends at Reading Out Loud. It's part one of a three-part mini-arc. You'll hear the other two parts in the uh, following weeks, so stay tuned for that. Also, we are looking for you all to name our river that runs through Pleasure Town. If you have a name, you can email us directly at pleasuretownshow at gmail.com or visit our website, pleasuretownshow.com, and click on Join the Story and send us a little note about the name of that river. Also, as I mentioned, Season 2 will be starting in the not-too-distant future in May. You'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. And also... For you all that live in the Chicagoland area, we will be doing a special live show on February 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Chopin Theater. You can get tickets at wbez.org events. Enjoy the show. The boy's been standing there for a while now. Staring at the wall. Been there longer than I've been watching. Been 15 minutes now. Street's empty except for him. And me, of course. I got good damn reason to be here. I've been having all sorts of trouble around my store lately. Thievings, loiterings, disorderings, vandalizings, all manner of mischief that can only be attributed to feral youths running amok. I told the sheriff about it, but he's always busy on some other damned crusade, too busy to police his own town, so we town folk have to police ourselves. That's why I come to be out here in the middle of the night, guarding my store for mayhem. I saw a strange light through the rear window, so I come out to the alley to see this character acting suspicious. Now, I don't see him doing anything immediately illegal, except, you know, maybe loitering, but I don't really license a citizen's arrest, so, so I just watch him. He's holding a lantern, which gives me just enough light to make out his sex and his approximate age. Male, about 14. He's standing in the alley between my store and the barber, and he's still. No, no, he's, he's not still. He's, he's, he's stiff, but, but he's active. His, his body is tense, even if there's no movement. He's, he's leaning towards the wall as if he's straining against a stiff breeze. But there ain't no wind. There ain't no sound of any kind. It's nothing. It's just the boy, the alley, and the darkness beyond the reach of the lantern. I, I consider calling out to him, asking him what exactly he's up to, but I think better of it. And maybe, maybe I'm about to witness a real crime, something the sheriff can really sink his teeth into. Or maybe at least something I can rub his nose in and say, You see, you see there, you bastard? It's children run amok. After this long and nothing happening, it seems I should do something. Anything to break the silence. A coyote cries out in the distant dark. A reminder that the world is still out there, if somehow farther away. Seconds later, the howls of a dozen more coyotes cut me cold, and I shiver. With great effort, the boy raises his lantern, illuminating the wall and his face. I see the crust of dried blood beneath his nose. Oh, no. Oh, holy sweet Jesus, God in heaven, it can't, it can't, it can't be him. Oh, but it's him. It definitely is. 
It's the same hooligan I had spoken to earlier that day. He and a couple of his buddies, all of them a bunch of local toughs, more accurately a bunch of local think they're toughs. My hired hand Albert, he caught him lifting cigars, he held him in the storeroom till I arrived. I could hear him all giggling in the back. <laughs> what can old man Blythe even do to us anyway? Turn us into the sheriff? Like the sheriff cares about some cigars. <laughs> yeah, who's scared of that old buzzard shopkeeper? He's got to be pushing a million years old, and he's getting fat. He'll come in here and tell us something about how Jesus wouldn't approve or something. He'll talk about Jesus and God and forgiveness, and then he'll probably cry like he does at church. And then he'll just ask us to pay for the cigars. No problem. We'll just steal from the register to pay it. Yeah, and maybe after we'll steal some matches, too, and start a little fire. Oh, we didn't mean to, Mr. Blythe. Honest, we didn't. We were just cold and it got out of hand. Oh, please let us go. We're late for church. <laughs> they just laughed and laughed and laughed. Now, hearing those young upstarts disrespecting me, implying that I'm somehow enfeebled, too weak to give them a good what for, now that... That made me upset. But to hear them blaspheme. You know, in my past life, I was a church deacon. But even in this life, I am a devout, God-fearing Christian, and hearing their lack of respect for the one true faith, I tell you, that had really got my blood boiling. But right then, right then is when I started to put two and two together. This little pack of thieves, they were probably the same culprits that were thieving from the church donation basket. And it was time to show them what true God-fearing is all about. I took a moment outside to collect myself. Now, not to calm down, mind you, but to build myself up into a froth and rage. It is not every day that I get to let loose my frustrations on those most deserving of the wrath of the Lord. I punched the door open. It slammed into the shelves, spilling sundries on the floor. If you do not obey the Lord your God, the Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaken him. Now I could feel the great purifying fire burning in my cheeks. The children sat on the floor and two of them shot up straight when I entered. A boy and a girl, both of them with eyes wide and scared. But the other, clearly the oldest, sat back on one arm, just lounging. The disrespect. Just imagine the gall of this boy. Well, I decided to focus my tirade right at the bridge of his nose, hoping I might direct the word of God with enough might to smack that smirk off his face. The Lord will strike you with waste and disease, with fever and inflammation until you perish. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of the mind. At midday, you will grope like a blind man in the dark. Day after day, you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. Not the Lord, not your mama, not even old man Blythe. Now I had the proper effect on the two younger kids. Hell, they were already jumping in their seats just at the shock of my entrance. 
and by the fourth or fifth time they had pictured their demise as described in the good book, the youngest one was crying. That oldest boy. That oldest boy feigned boredom, yawning and stretching. Y'all were caught thieving today. People been talking about a gang of hoodlums causing all sorts of trouble around here. And y'all three are in a heap of trouble. The oldest boy, he closed his eyes and snored. I raised up my hand to slap the boy, but I held back. I didn't know who he belonged to, and some of the town folk might express some manner of disapproval should I dispense corporal punishment. It's bad for business. Spare the rod, I'd say, but they won't listen. Now, most folks, upon receiving their child back into their custody with a few new marks and the news of how far the apple had fallen, would thank me for my quick and just punishment. Just depends on whose he is, though. Or if he belongs to anybody. What's your name, boy? He set up and he pouted. Do you forget me so fast, Daddy? Who are your parents? I just call them Ma and Pa. I haven't seen you around here before. Where are you from? You an orphan? I've been around. We're all God's children, Buzzard Blythe. Surely you know that. His once frightened comrades, they started to giggle again. Their sharp yip and titter just grinding in my bones. Restraint be damned. Stand up! He hesitated. I said stand up! I lifted him up by the hair and he stood. Now face the wall. Which wall? Any wall! And I'm already facing a wall. You know what? Let me rephrase that. You put your face against the wall! What wall? Any wall! Can it be the wall at your grandma's house? <laughs> I grabbed the back of his head and I shoved him against the rear wall. He tried to turn away, but I held him by the hair, flattening his nose. Now you other little thieves, pay attention. Added to the list of your friend's sins today is pride. Now that feeling in the pit of your stomach, you might call it fear. But that's the fall. That is your fall from grace. From the grace of the Lord, the fall from his favor. From the safety of his mighty hands and into the clutches of your demise. And so I'm gonna ask you again. Who are you? And what are you doing thieving and vandalizing and whatnot in my town? When he didn't respond immediately, I pressed the back of his head slightly harder. Ah, okay, okay. He shrieked. I let off some pressure, but I held his hair fast. My name's Jesus Christ! I slammed him into the wall. Ah! And there was a pop. And his legs, they fell out from under him. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, what have, what have I done? All right, y'all go home right now! I yelled at the other two kids, but they, they hesitated. They, they were staring at their friend on the floor. I turned onto him, fists clenched. Do you hear me? I said, get! They ran away from the store in a panic. I got down on one knee next to the... next to the boy. And he, he was alive. He was just unconscious. I turned him over onto his stomach to keep him from... from drowning in the, in the blood flowing out of his broken nose. And I heard my hired hand yelling after the boys. Hi, you kids! Get back here! Hey! Ah, you... Sheriff! Sheriff! Let, let, let him go, Halbert. The one we want is right here.
Albert come into the storeroom and he seen the boy laying on the ground. He fell. Albert, he nodded at me. He ain't no dummy. He could see that I was in trouble. But I was also his paycheck. What are you going to do with him? He asked me. I'm not sure. Well, but we got to get rid of him. Is he somebody's? Are we going to have trouble? I can't be. Albert helped me lift the boy into a wheelbarrow. Oh, I so. Well, because then we'd really be up a creek. Yeah. I'll get them out. We cleaned up the storeroom. We waited until dark. We wheeled them straight out into the prairie, maybe seven, eight miles out of town. He was still alive when we dumped him. He was breathing, but weakly. He might have died. Head injuries are they're like that. But if he didn't die, well, I figured he wouldn't be seen in Pleasure Town again. I mean, why return to a city where you got no attachment, no family? couple of stupid friends in front of whom you just got your face beat bloody. But it appears the good Lord and his divine wisdom saw fit to deliver that boy from the ditch. And right here, to this alley. And he still ain't moved. Except for lifting up that lantern. I don't know, maybe... Maybe I broke that boy's brain. I look out and strain to see what Billy's reading there on that wall. It's a broadsheet, an advert. Crandall Filings, fantasy fair and freak show. A carnival of mystery and magic. Fire breathers, fortune tellers, exotic animals. The world's smallest woman. And more sights guaranteed to astound and amaze even the most worldly traveler. You know, even straining to see it from the distance in the dark still only took me a minute to read it all. But that boy, he... He ain't reading. His eyes aren't aren't taking in the words. It's like they're looking beyond the broadsheet. Finally, the boy comes to an abrupt decision. He rips down the broadsheet from the wall. He wads it up into a ball. He stuffs it into his mouth. Chews it. Swallows. For a moment, he, he stands still. Closes his eyes, and he smiles to himself with one hand on his stomach, satisfied with his meal. Then his eyes bolt open. He looks around in the dark, as if only now aware of his surroundings, and he tries to figure out exactly where he is. He just... He just looks so small. All that sass and tenacity of the morning's just... It's gone from his face. He's just a... Just a boy, just scared and alone. He drops the lantern to the ground, knocks out the flame, runs off into the dark. Now, I, I don't get the calliope. As, as an instrument or an institution, it, it just, it, it don't ever sound right. The notes, they just, they seem wrong to me. But I ain't no musician. And still, people... They get excited when they hear the mechanized whistles and the toots. Now, the carnival parade that next morning was about as rinky-dink as you'd expect of an enterprise that would visit a municipality the size and reputation of Pleasure Town. They had an elephant, which is something. A couple of llamas, 
They didn't seem trained to do anything special. They, they seemed more like extravagant pack animals. Just, I don't know, donkeys with fancy haircuts and an overdeveloped sense of self-worth. A few of the acts they danced about and caused a ruckus. Fire breather, belly dancer. There's a strong man, but he didn't seem too interested in lifting up anything heavy. And then, and I saw him. The boy in the audience. Just as thrilled as anybody else in the crowd. Just beaming from ear to ear with childish glee. He'd cleaned up, too. Wore a, a crisp white shirt. His hair was all slicked back. In fact, if I hadn't recognized the bruise below both of his eyes from his broken nose, I wouldn't have known it was him. It was definitely him, but all civilized. A young gentleman. Now, he, he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been anywhere. And he can't be here. Because if he's here, then he can talk. And if he talks about last night... So I, I approach him push my way through the crowd. He notices me when I come near. He calls to me. Hello, Mr. Bly. He waves. He smiles. I got right up next to him. I placed my hand on his shoulder, all friendly-like. He say, I see you're feeling better. And that's good. And if you don't get out of my town, I'm gonna make sure you don't get up next time. Is this about yesterday's unpleasantness? I promise you, Mr. Blythe, you have no need to worry about me making any trouble for you. Not even about this. He pointed at his nose. Is that a threat? No, no, you've got me all wrong. I'm simply trying to apologize. I'm very sorry for any trouble I may have caused and for my overall demeanor throughout our altercation. Before I could further convince him that his situation was far more dire than how he carried on, there was an explosion at the back of the parade. The calliope music stopped. Smoke filled the street. The smoke advanced on the crowd, about to engulf them all before it stopped at their feet in a flat, clearly defined wall. Some folks reached out to touch it, watching their hand disappear into the thick vapor. And then, just as suddenly as it had advanced, the smoke retreated back to a single point, collecting in the hand of a caped man kneeling in the street. With a flourish, he threw his fist into the air, and there erupted a great firework. Ladies and gentlemen! The caped man climbed to the top of the calliope, and he shouted for all to hear, I am Crandall Filing! And I invite you all to enjoy the sights, the smells, and the surprises found in every nook and cranny of my carnival. Come one, come all! <laughs> he pulled a penny whistle from within his cape and he played the chorus of When You and I Were Young, Maggie. And as a special invitation, there are always jobs available for wayward young people looking to get right with the Lord and earn an honest day's wage. Adults, send me your troubled youths and I will set them on the path to wholesome prosperity. Troubled youths, this is your ticket to the future! He played a few more bars of Maggie and tapped the top of the calliope. Its song started up once again. 
While I was distracted with Crandall's theatrics, I lost track of the boy. He had pushed out into the street to follow the parade. I saw his younger cohorts from yesterday, a handful of other children too. Boys, girls, all of them younger than 15. Some of them I knew from town, and each of them better groomed than I'd ever seen them. They followed the parade up and down the streets of Pleasure Town, smiling and dancing. The crowds dwindled, but I stayed on that street corner, just watching, thinking, till the parade was over and the carnival left to set up on the outskirts of town. At some point, the calliope was quiet again. I could still hear it whistling between my ears. Hey, Pleasure Town listeners. This is Emily, associate producer of Pleasure Town. Thanks so much for coming back and listening to our second mini-sode. A friendly reminder that you can join the story anytime. This week, we need you to help us name the river that runs through Pleasure Town. So if you have any ideas, feel free to shoot us an email at pleasuretownshow at gmail.com, tweet us at pleasuretownok, or just search us on Facebook, Pleasure Town, obviously. And as usual, there are some people we'd like to thank. Pleasure Town was created by Keith Ecker and Aaron Cahoe. This episode was written by Ryan P. Duke and performed by Brandon Paul Eels and Eleni Papa George. Sound design by Scott Miner of Lucky Dog Audio Post. Editing by Simon A. Smith. Original music by River Rising. This episode was produced by Brandon Paul Eels and Ryan P. Duke from Reading Out Loud, an awesome podcast that connects writers with actors to tell dynamic and engaging stories. You can hear more at readingoutloud.org. Until next time. The sounds of